0502-2021. Um, I am heading southeast on Gooseneck Road. Man, this area, Logan, Hawking Hills, heading southbound. Wow. Amazing. Shit is so pretty. I uh, popped up. So I'm staying at the KOA in Hawking Hills right now. You want to talk about the definition of rolling hills? When you're going up and going into the site, just look to your left. You're going to be like, what? Okay, maybe you won't be like that. That's what I was like, though. You can imagine being in the car with me. It's just totally silent, and then I'm, what? The high-pitched noise. Anyway, <clears throat> so really dope site. Um, obviously, it's what you would expect with a KOA, but they do, so each KOA has its own thing. They do handmade fudge. Oh, God, that's so good. And their Wi-Fi. Holy shit, dude. So the Wi-Fi at the Hawking Hills KOA is some of the fastest freaking Wi-Fi I've ever seen. Not just at a campsite, mind you. Like, campsites, uh, the bar's pretty low. I'm talking about period. Even at my own house when I had pretty goddamn fast or, or the fastest Wi-Fi's that were available depending on where I was living, this is still faster than that. I, I couldn't believe it. Like my phone uh, cell internet connection is pretty damn fast whenever it's like fully connected. And um, <clears throat> I'll load maybe, you know, like a, a movie or something. It's like a gig. So gig up and it'll take a couple minutes. But... I don't think that's all bad, you know? But this, man, I clicked upload a movie. It was like five seconds, boom, done. And I clicked on the movie to make sure it didn't like screw it up and I could watch it just fine in my Dropbox. I was like, what? And so I was like, okay, let's see what you can do. And I did 10 movies. And it was like about a minute, boom, 10 movies done. So before I left, I took the entire contents of my movie hard drive, which is hundreds of movies and I just said load and I left said okay we'll be done in six hours I'm like well I'll be gone longer than six hours we'll see so I don't know man Hawking Hills KOA legit site their Wi-Fi out of control so if you are like a, a traveler RVer type person and you're passing through and you're like oh how am I I need to go to Starbucks for like seven hours to upload my new video Nope. Just, it's worth it. Just get the site for the one night. You can load a fucking year's worth of fucking videos. Insane. Oh, wow. Huh. That's cute. Little, little old cabin. Little wood log cabin. Alright, let's see where we're at here. last show I did this past present future thing kind of by accident but thinking about it I kind of like that format for right now so um, in terms of the past where I came from with the RV thing so my first RV I mentioned it it was a Chevy Globestar it's like from the 70s when I got it it only had two working propane burners uh, for the stove top and I ripped all that shit out and I put electric plates in there and uh, a new microwave 
Uh, I ripped out the table and chairs and put in some cubicle shelving to like store stuff because I was having a hard time downsizing out of everything. You know, just normal, normal problems. But it was a 70s model. Man, it struggled towing that. Uh, I had a 2009 Ford Focus at the time and towing it the very first time uh, from Muskegon to Illinois was weird. But then towing with everything moved into the RV from Illinois, Belleville, Illinois, to Coffeyville, Kansas. Like, it struggled getting up hills. I would drop to, like, 35 miles per hour going up the hills in Missouri and stuff. It was it was a rough, rough go. However, I do really like Class Cs. The reality for me is I just can't. I'm not mechanically inclined, so I can't. I can't rationalize maintaining two engines, especially because of the way that I camp. I prefer to stay put for long periods of time before I travel to the next spot. That, so like a class C or a class B or a class A are great setups for like, I, I guess the all you know, the, the Americana road trip hitting Route 66 or just driving across the country to go see like you know Yosemite Park or Yellowstone or whatever right like those are great you can camp off the grid you don't have to worry about getting everything stable you just park and then go the next day they're great for that kind of stuff not great for long term stays you have to remember to run the engine and all this other stuff, which is basic engine etiquette that I could not remember. Which is why I knew I should not own <laughs> a secondary engine. I need the engine I own needs to be something that I drive every day. So when I got into the RV life the second time, I end up getting a travel trailer, 2017. Starcraft AR1 and I picked it up basically what ha I got an amazing deal on this um, I was living in a hotel in Jersey New Jersey uh, Camden or Newark I don't know and uh, right before I moved to Connecticut I managed to spot a RV place in Pennsylvania when I was poking about uh, uh, they had to do some training for me in uh, AB, ABE1 I think it was a site out there so I go and I happened to drive by this RV place and a couple while I was there dropped off an RV that they had bought the previous month but never used they had two kids and then they realized that RV was just not going to be big enough for them and their two kids so it was, it was essentially brand new. It was 2017, and the model was a 2017. Had never been used, and they had to sell it to me for a trade-in price. So brand new, that would have been about 17k, and I got it for 10, cash on hand. The thing about working for Amazon, when you get to a certain level, is they pay you to move. So I took, I was getting 10 grand to move from. At that time, I had lived in Chandler, Arizona, 
and I moved for six weeks of training in, in New Jersey, one week of training in Pennsylvania, and then I was opening a new building in uh, BDL2 in um, Hartford, Connecticut. So, or I'm sorry, Windsor, Connecticut. So I was like, oh, well, I have 10 grand in my bank account right now. So I called my bank, released it, paid, drove away with that. Well, I didn't drive away with it because I had a 2009 Ford Focus. So I had it delivered to the campsite that I ended up finding, which was Nickerson Family Campground, which is a great campsite. Um, had it delivered there. And then while I lived there, I had to put some thought into like, okay, I can't keep the 2009 Ford Focus. I can't tow with it. But I don't want to get like a, a huge truck either. So I managed to find a V6 2015 Jeep Grand Cherokee that got better gas mileage for my day-to-day -day driving, but also had the tow capacity to tow the travel trailer. And that's the setup that I have more or less now. I just recently traded in the Starcraft for the Grand Design and that's what I got and the Grand Design is bigger but it's an aluminum frame so the actual weight is the same as the the one that I had before so I don't have to change much in terms of my tow capacity however I'm doing gig driving right now so I don't know I don't know what I'm going to do with that I have been thinking about getting the diesel version of the Jeep Grand Cherokee because I really like the Jeep Grand Cherokee, but the diesel's got more tow capacity, but it also gets really good gas mileage. So I'm thinking about whenever I get this paid off in a couple years, bumping up to that, and that would be my setup then. So historically, that's where I'm at with RVs, but I was in and out of them. So that Class C, eventually I would move from... Amazon because I was a seasonal I got hired on full-time and then I got offered a promotion that would have uh, that would take me to Reno Nevada on my way there the engine of the class C blew up and I had to move out of the class C in Lyman Colorado and <laughs> into a U-Haul find an apartment on the fly and move in and that was like man that was a rough go from there I moved to Washington and I actually lived in the apartment that is filmed in the Twin Peaks movie uh, Firewalk Firewalk with me whatever anyway the Twin Peaks movie um, whenever they're in front of Moe's garage that was the corner where I was living in that apartment then I moved into, speaking of garages, I moved into the attic of a four-car garage in North Bend uh, with no water, no heat, no AC, and that's where I lived for a while. And then I moved into a duplex that was getting, well, it was a, a ranch-style house getting turned into a duplex with a river behind it pouring into a bay in Seabeck. Washington population 50 that was amazing I lived there for maybe a couple months though and then I got moved to Chandler Arizona so and I shared like a big ass house in a private neighborhood with three other people I worked with 
Um, so I've, I've lived in a lot of places and just because I lived in like apartments and, and all this other stuff, the reason I call the channel Static to Nomadic is because I was constantly going. Go, 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 go. Like if I were to rehash basically what happened when I got laid off, I went from, so I'm living in Belleville, Illinois. I go to Coffeyville, Kansas, Cherryville, Kansas, uh, Fallon, Nevada, Snoqualmie, Washington, North, Be North Bend, Washington, Seabeck, Washington, Chandler, Arizona, Newark, New Jersey, Allentown, Pennsylvania, uh, Chaplin, Connecticut, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Central City, Colorado, Lawrence, Kansas, uh, Pawtucket, Rhode Island, Brookline, New Hampshire, and now... So that's, that's everywhere I lived while I was working with Amazon. And now I'm going back to Kansas uh, for the summertime. I, I'm still claiming New Hampshire as my home for residency purposes. Um, so everything will be done through there. But um, yeah, so that's just so you can kind of get a background as, as to why it's called Static Nomadic. And I've lived in all kinds of different setups. I lived in a loft in Pawtucket. Um, like I, all kinds of shit. Uh, and I'm sure at some point I will go through all of that shit on this cast just to like give like uh, hey this thing happened and this is what I did to fix it and this is how I was living at the time because <clears throat> I'm sure that stuff will come up but yeah just so you know that I'm not like bullshitting that's kind of like the background that I have and then prior to that like before I got into the RV life I still sure, moved around yeah my dad was in the military and I was a military brat and then I was in the military so I've been moving my whole life like I got moving down to a science when I did like a list of places I've lived I'm 41 I've lived 32 places that's crazy when you stop and consider it Just drop 57 bucks at the Mothman Museum. A lot of cool stuff. Picked up magnets and stickers and, you know, whatever for my RV. But, I don't know. It was, uh, it was cool. Um, it's got the same vibe as, like, the Flatwoods Monster Museum or the, what is it, the UFO Unmuseum in Roswell or the Cryptozoological Museum in Portland, Oregon, uh, Portland, Maine. Um, I mean, if you're into that stuff, it's worth a stop. Uh, if you're not into that stuff, then, you know, keep, keep going because, <laughs> uh, I'm on my way to Silver Bridge Disaster Memorial. Um, and then I'm going to head up to the TNT area and then, uh, loop my way back up to probably close to Columbus and see if one of my friends is off work. So yeah, it's worth a stop. I actually, Point Pleasant itself is really quaint. I actually really like the town just in general. Um, there's a lot of other stuff here beyond the Mothman stuff. Like, uh, this is supposed to be starting point of the Revolutionary War, supposedly. First real battle or something took place here. There's a lot of other obscure stuff like that um, that's worth coming to see. Uh, like the Point Pleasant Battlefield Memorial and all that other stuff. But, um, I don't know. Cool little area. It's really, really quaint. The best way to describe it.
Pleasant. I like Point Pleasant. Not because of the Mothman stuff, because it, it is a quaint, adorable little town. Ah, oh, man, so pretty. And then they got these bridges with the rivers, and that is a pretty place. I was not expecting it to be as gorgeous as it was. So, like I was saying earlier, there's a lot of other stuff to see there, but man, wow. <laughs> I want to go back just to hang out in the town, just, just because. Although it is 80 outside, I'm a little fucking hot right now. Uh, had lunch out by the river at the uh, park for, I can't even pronounce it, it's a bunch of, it's like two letters, dash two letters, dash two letters, I don't know. I don't even know how to say it. It'll be the only thing on the map listed like that if you pull it up. A pretty place though, had a, like a little cabin on it, like a rustic style cabin, overlooked the river, and you had these two amazing bridges there to look at, and as I was eating um, I was watching the these geese there was a pair of geese with a bunch of geese goslings geese, a bunch of Ryan goslings and then um, another pair of geese with a bunch of Ryan goslings and they were the the little babies were diving and it looked like the parents were trying to teach them how to fly in and land because every time the babies would dive the parents would then do this thing where they like flap their wings and around in circles and then came in for a landing and it, I don't know what I don't know what they were doing exactly but it was it was kind of cool to watch just how they interacted with the babes um yeah so now I get to drive an hour and a half back to the site and see how my uploads are going thinking about the future I know a lot of people ask me and other you could go to basically anybody who who like does RVing as a lifestyle and they're like how do you how do you pay for it how do you what do you do for work and all this it kind of doesn't matter but one thing I've been doing is getting wrapped up in blockchain because I feel like it is the future. Um, and a lot of people don't know what blockchain is yet. It's, it's sort of like everybody now, I think, knows what Bitcoin is. <clears throat> but Bitcoin is an effect of blockchain. It's not the cause. It's not tied to blockchain necessarily. Like, they can be separated. Blockchain can be used for a lot of other amazing utilities. And the way I kind of feel about it is, I don't know, if you're not old enough to know this analogy, then just ask somebody. But AOL, back in the day, introduced the internet into average people's homes. It wasn't the internet. It was our gateway into the internet. And that's kind of how I feel like Bitcoin is. Bitcoin, it isn't blockchain, but it's a gateway into understanding what blockchain is. And yeah, I think at the time of this recording, Bitcoin's like almost $60,000 for one Bitcoin or whatever. 
but there's so many more things that you can do with blockchain technology. The business that I'm building, that I'm trying to get myself situated with, is rooted in blockchain technology, but for uh, telecommunications, for sensors, smart devices, stuff like that. So if you think about things like parking meters, RFID chips and smart collars, um, those ATM machines at gas stations, and anything that sends like small packages of data, weather beacons on flight lines, uh, GPS nodes and delivery trucks, like they're sending these small parcels of data, ones and zeros, right? Like a parking meter, it's sending a credit card number, a date time stamp, the parking meter itself, and then whatever, all the information is like less than the same number of characters you would tweet. And that stuff right now has to be sent over like Verizon or AT&T or T-Mobile towers. And so these telecommunications companies are charging a lot, which then goes into the cost of whatever it is. But why? So the number of sensors is not going to go down over time. The number of sensors and smart everything is exploding constantly. It's, it's just... It's... I hate to sound like a stupid movie cliche, but it's increasing exponentially. Which means eventually it's going to bog down our telecommunications networks. But, like I'm working with Helium and XYO. I, I don't want to say working with. I am taking part in what they have created by buying into them and installing devices to help me build what's called a mesh net, which is where you put these devices in locations and it shares out a little bit of Wi-Fi and it creates a network that these these basically robots oh thank you kid these robots can talk to each other or to their home networks or whatever using this and every time that they use one of my devices it it creates a little bit of cryptocurrency or it mines if you've heard the term mining it mines a little bit of cryptocurrency by bringing it into existence and then I can turn around and you know, sell that on an exchange where once I turn it into US dollars, I have to pay taxes and all that other stuff on it. So I know the SEC is currently reevaluating how it looks at cryptocurrency, so this this may be out of date at some point in the future, but as of right now, that's kind of how it works. So I'm going around the country and I'm installing all these hotspots to help develop this mesh network and then split the profits with people. I, I guess it's not really split the profits. I'm paying them to rent their window seal power and a internet at their location to do this business. So it's, I guess, I guess an analogy would be like a Starbucks inside of a Target. I'm, I'm a small business inside of their household. And then I pay them for, you know, letting me do that. And that's kind of what I'm building. And the idea is I'm doing it with friends and family first because I don't want to deal with the 
side effects and business contracts and stuff yet because I, I'm not comfortable there yet. But as I develop the business plan, which is part of the reason for this trip, I'm, um, I'll be able to finance my travel that way. The secondary way I'm doing it is through gig, uh, gig work, which is like uh, Postmates, DoorDash, Grubhub, Instacart, stuff like that, where I kind of pick the hours and everything I want to do, and I work as much as I need to work. And those are the two things I'm doing to finance my RV lifestyle. Prior to this, I talked about it before, I've worked as with Amazon, and for the last three or four years, I was actually a manager with Amazon, um, and that's how I was doing it. And I, I actually put a video up on YouTube on if that's something that you would want to do, like that's how, how do you do it? And I made really good money with Amazon doing that, but I want more control. And that was something I would never have working for somebody else. So for my future, what I'm doing over the next year is working on building this business for myself um, so that way I can travel when and where I want to. And um, that's kind of what the future part of this podcast will be. It's just me setting that stuff up. And I'm sure that I'll get into more details in future casts about that kind of stuff. Um, just because blockchain is so fascinating to me with with the things that it can achieve in security and, and when applied to, to logistics or voting or all the stuff that it can do and protect us from is is pretty phenomenal. I've, it is the future. In the same way that cryptocurrency is the currency of the future, it's blockchain is it's going to it already has started getting injected into every aspect of our lives and we don't even know it but the things that we're going to have virtually will now have permanency to them that maybe it didn't have before which I'm I'm super thrilled about so yeah that's the future I guess that's it for this cast um, I know it's kind of all over the place but that's kind of how I'm going to be um, it's kind of the flow of a natural conversation that just jumps all over the place um, I still haven't come up with a way to close this I guess I guess you should just probably keep your eyes on the road It'd be good for all of us uh, awkward ending Seacrest out <laughs>